Okay, this one I'm obsessed with. Kohler Smart Toilets. They combine sculptural design with intuitive technology to deliver the best toilet ever. You can personalize every element from the integrated warm water cleansing to the heated seat and warm air dryer. Their touchless lid, seat, and flush deliver total convenience. And get this, you can create your ideal environment using only your voice with Numi 2.0, Kohler's most advanced smart toilet yet. Explore the complete lineup at Kohler.com slash smart toilets and discover what you've been missing. In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So, go to podsurvey.com slash Kelly and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Ooh. Again, that's podsurvey.com backslash Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y. Thanks for your help. Hey there, everyone. We can all use a, a good laugh right now, so I'm bringing you back one of my favorite people. I mean, in life and on camera, the one and only Jimmy Kimmel. As he preps to host the Academy Awards again, and let's all agree that he should just be the permanent host for the job. He is the best. All right, now listen to his behind-the-scenes take on past Oscars, as well as his funny family stories. Love him so much, and so will you. Happy listening. And so when you come into town, there's a Hollywood-style sign that says dildo and people come from all over Canada all over the world just to go take a selfie in front of the dildo sign <laughs> somebody gonna cue me or do I cue myself cue yourself okay hey everybody it's another episode of let's talk off camera so let's get talking today we have the one and only Jimmy Kimmel joining us it's gonna be a big show very excited about this one but while we wait for Jimmy uh let me bring in my two co-conspirators, <laughs> Albert Bianchini, Jan Chalet. Hi, guys. Hi. What have you been up to? Fill me in. Well, so this is funny because the last time we actually saw Jimmy was at the Oscars. Yes, of course. And it was when we saw all the shrinking of Hollywood, right? Yes. Everybody was half their size and we, <laughs> were, we were deciding who was taking what. Oh, I was reporting in real time. Right. And so the other day, Albert comes into the office. He is so happy. I've, I mean, just joy on his face. And he's wearing this black coat, almost like a pea coat. From Barney's. But, but like, it's, <laughs> it's warm out, Kelly. Like, there's really no reason for the coat. But Albert says, I fit in the coat. Five, after years, I fit How many in the coat. years? He fits at in the least, coat. At least you mean like since Barney's was open? Pre-COVID. So yeah. Pre-COVID. Oh yeah. Pre-COVID. So the, the Ozempic didn't work, but the... What is well, it? how Munjara? do you pronounce it, Kelly? It's, okay, so <laughs> Albert and Kyle pronounce it Munjaro, which I prefer, but I saw the commercial. Yeah, and what is on it? On TV. It's Manjaro. 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 Well, like manja. 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 Manjaro. Manjaro. How much weight have you lost? Well, I'm down like seven pounds and it's only been a week and a half. It's the King Kong of weight loss drugs. It's it's crazy. So is that what they were all on? All of Hollywood? Probably. 
I don't know, Jimmy. What was everybody on? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd love to get in on this because I've never heard of Monjaro. And boy, so I gonna, wish I had. Okay, we're gonna let's, we're gonna bring you in right now. Uh, the yeah. man himself, you know him as the late night talk show host, otherwise known as Jimmy Kimmel. Also, the honorary did not know this honorary mayor of Dildo, <laughs> a right. town in Newfoundland. So let's get right to it. Welcome, Jimmy. Thank you. Also, the new spokesperson for Manjaro. How do you spell Manjaro? Uh, M-O-U-J... Wait, no. M-O-U-N-J-A-R. M-O-U-N-J-A-R. Manjaro. Well, Kyle sings in a Manjaro jingle, but it's different. Oh, you should play it. You Pull it up and play it for Jimmy, because Jimmy likes to turn things into... Primetime musicals, so maybe Munjaro the Weight Loss musical Here, is coming to Jimmy. ABC. This is Kyle's jingle for Munjaro. You ready, Jimmy? Okay, I'm ready. Munjaro, I just took a drug called Munjaro, and suddenly that food does not look very good to me. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I mean, it's, you know, uh, it's tough to top Ho 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 Ozempic, but that's uh, pretty solid. Jimmy. Munjaro. When wow. you had your weight loss, you did it yeah. the old-fashioned way, right? You just. I'm still doing the old-fashioned way, yes. Struggling, right. getting a little box full of food in the mail every <laughs> night and eating it sadly while those around me eat a delicious lunch. Here's the thing. Albert's family invented conflict resolving with food always everything is a like you can't go to albert's house without there being a full spread of food and then there's that and then there's the meal like there's a full spread yeah it's just like that at my house it's exactly the same thing it's like my mother will make three kinds of bread (laughs) this is how my wife was um i wouldn't say introduced to the family so much as um abducted and uh (laughs) forced into the family my mother made for march birthdays which is a thing in our family because there's a bunch of them my mother made five cakes five whole individual different styles of cake we were headed to a charity event that day it's this la loves alex's lemonade it's a great charity and all the great chefs from around the country come and they cook and they set up little stands and you go from stand to stand and it's it's a lot of fun well we made the mistake of stopping by my parents house on the way there my mother made my wife who weighs you know about 102 pounds (laughs) eat a slice of each cake she had to eat five slices of cake before (laughs) she left and at that point it was before we got to the no i'm not eating any cake stage of our family relationship and um it was really it was just a it was just a big fight mom (laughs) she doesn't want five slices of cake so in our family food not only does it end arguments it starts arguments it's just a circle (laughs) of fighting is what it is and so your your mom is the food pusher Yo, she is a food pusher. You cannot possibly eat enough to make her happy. I've said to her, as you you know, as you get old and you start thinking about this stuff, I go, like, you know this is not healthy. Like, why is it that I've never seen you eat? And yet you are not happy unless I've eaten six. You know, if you get go for seconds, she's gonna ask you if there's third. So you just have to learn. All right, one is enough. There's gonna be a fight regardless. So you might as well just eat a reasonable amount of food. When I was dating Sarah Silverman, the first time my parents met her, my mother had 
bagels and locks set up. It's like, <laughs> oh, she's Jewish. She must eat bagels. She's, it's, a, it's a weird thing because my wife, uh, you know, my wife is like you, Kelly. She's in very, you know, she's in good shape. She exercises. She eats well. She does all these things. And genetically also, she's your, been your dealt Your wife a very, is genetically gifted also. She's been like, dealt a good hand. Yes. But my mother acts like she's the one who's unhealthy and she's got to eat more. But and that's, we're the ones, yeah, all the big sea monsters laying around the house, <laughs> we're the ones <laughs> who yeah. are doing it right. It's yeah. really, it's interesting, and I don't think enough study has been done. I think we tend to joke around about it, but it really is, it's destructive in some ways, right? I mean, why would you want your kids to be unhealthy? You, obviously, she she doesn't want that, but she cannot resist the urge to fill us full of food until we burst. It's a very strange, we have a very strange disassociated mentality with food. I do remember, and I don't know if I've ever told you this, but maybe I have. <laughs> we were out to dinner once years ago. We went to, with Regis to dinner at like Mastro's in LA or something. Do you yes. remember this? Yeah, I do. I think it's the first time we went out to eat. Yeah. And you ordered a steak and it was a big steak. I remember thinking like, oh, that's a big steak. And Always in the back of my head, um, I will eat whatever the people around me don't. (laughs) So in the back of my head, you ordered us a steak. And I remember you eating the whole steak, and it was a big steak. And I was was like, I've never seen such a small person eat that much meat. You know what, Jimmy? I knew you were paying, so that's why I... That was you're, one thing about eating with Regis. You're generous. You're famously it, eating generous. with Regis. You're definitely paying. <laughs> well, it's so funny because we got like we got used to like always, you know, picking up the check. And I think Mark went to grab the check, and you had already like pre like you had oh. paid for it before we even got there. I yeah, I don't. I am. Uh, I have. I'm just too. I have too much anxiety for that sort of thing. I just want to get it at the beginning. I'll pretend to go to the bathroom. I'll find the waiter somewhere in the restaurant. Usually I mistake the waiter for someone who I think is our waiter for someone who is not our waiter. I just hand a stranger my credit card. <laughs> and then it's then I can relax the rest of the meal because otherwise you don't know exactly when it's going to come. You know, usually it's around dessert. Usually it's after dessert, but I don't want to, you know, if you're at one end of the table, whatever, I want to make sure that that I get that check. I mean, not that anybody was hurting, but I do <laughs> did especially feel like I think you guys were guests on the show, so that extends to the whole evening that you're guests. Right, but, and it was because at that point we had been, Mark and I had gotten into this place of like, we should pick up the check because Jimmy had us on the show, so we should pick up the check. Right? Yeah, I don't and, look at it like that. I look at it as a favor to me. Well, so you taught us, though, to... As soon as you walk in, pass <laughs> off the credit card, right? And so Seacrest, Seacrest, about seven or eight years ago, up the ante with Mark oh. walking in, handing the Mater D his credit card as we're being seated, and he says, "Oh, uh, Mr. Seacrest already took care of the check." And I was like, "Took care of the, the check? How? This isn't even his city. He doesn't." So he did the old phone ahead, here's my credit card. That's a strong move. I've only had that happen once before, and it's with this, like, 
television executive who he I think he has like six dinners a night, six meetings. He's like one of these crazy people. And um, yeah, when at the end of the meal, the check didn't come. I was like, uh, can we get the check? And the waiter's like, it has already been taken care of. Yeah. It's yeah. It's a, it's a baller move. Ryan probably <laughs> bought the restaurant ahead of your meal. He did. <laughs> he actually did. He bought the restaurant. So I want to talk to you. I want to go back for a minute and talk about you being uh, the mayor of Dildo. How did that come oh, yeah. about? Let's see. How did that come about? Well, first of all, we found out there was a town named Dildo. Yeah. So that was step one. I don't remember. Something happened there. There was a local news story. And, of course, I was tickled by this nonsense. And I think I think there was still, like, Trump stuff going on. It really felt like a nice departure. It felt like something I could focus on. Sometimes you need a palate cleanse with a dildo. Yeah. Something very <laughs> dumb. Like, there was, a, there was a politician named Harry Balls, who I was really interested yeah. in for a long time and yeah. couldn't stop talking about. And then um, I started to learn a little bit about dildo, and people from the town started reaching out. And it just became this thing. We sent Guillermo to Dildo. Dildo's hard to get to. It's a it's a three-flight situation yeah. to get to Dildo. Um, but we sent Guillermo to Dildo, and the whole town came out, which is not that many people, but the whole town came out. They gave me a plot. I actually, like, I don't know if I own it or it's there for me, a plot of land for, I guess, when I retire and take over. And we put up a sign. We built a replica of the Hollywood sign. That says dildo, and it's it's big. <laughs> we put it up in the hills. And so when you come into town, there's a Hollywood-style sign that says dildo, and people come from all over Canada, all over the world, just to go take a selfie in front of the dildo sign. You know what? Put that on our travel list. <laughs> you know, when we it's sometimes we travel with the podcast, a remote, I would like to see remote. I would like to see dildo. Is it near Regina? <laughs> well, you know, it depends on its mood. <laughs> no, it's not near Regina. It is in uh, Newfoundland. Oh, yeah. That's okay, in Saskatchewan. That's right. Saskatchewan, and, right. But it is, um, it's a beautiful place in the summer. It's very, I think, cold in the wintertime, but it's, it's you know, there's a lot of lakes. It's, you know, Canada. I'm, I'm going. I want to go pristine. see your dildo sign. <laughs> I really do. Well, I'd love to have you in dildo. <laughs> I love stuff like that. I am like functionally a 12 year old boy i really am so that's my that's my brand of humor i love it so much i love it too and i know it's um silly and i've just kind of decided a long time ago oh well it's funny <laughs> it is you're right so did you know okay i don't know if you followed this at all but i i have the court tv app there i said it i'm not ashamed and I watched this Gwyneth Paltrow ski trial because first oh. of all, I was, I was very angry on uh -huh. behalf of Gwyneth Paltrow, a person I do not know. Like she's <laughs> been on my show once or twice. She's done a cooking <laughs> segment on my show. Yeah. And it's not uncommon for a, um, a person to sue a celebrity with the hope that the celebrity is not going to want to go through the trial and, and you have to hand it to her for it putting herself through the trial. I give her all the props because, you know, Mark Consuelos would have said to me, just settle with this guy and let's move on with our lives. He'll say things like, he says pointless things to me. Do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? He's ultimately correct. 
Um, I don't operate like that. I'm not. Maybe it's the Italian thing. I don't know. Justice is very important to me. <laughs> if I did, if I was forced to settle with him and I'd done nothing, I would have probably followed him to a ski area and went barreling into him at some point <laughs> just to get my money's worth. Yeah. But yeah. yes, I did somehow. My name got mentioned in that trial. As famous as you are, and you are very famous, that to me elevated your fame level. <laughs> like, I was like, everybody, download the Court TV app now, and I want you to rewind three minutes, because it was so great to hear them reference and play this clip. But as a, as a late night talk show host, does it give you pause? Now even the guests are going to start minding their P's and Q's more than they already do because they're afraid that it's going to be used as evidence against them in a, in a sham ski trial. I know. It's, if I was on the jury, that to me would cinch the case. I'd be like, okay, this is nonsense. She's on a talk show trying to be funny and telling funny stories about her life. You can't take that literally and enter it into court. I mean, it's, it is funny, though, when you realize, like, oh, most of these lawyers are stupid. <laughs> you know, you think... I call it the Jimmy Kimmel defense. <laughs> the Jimmy Kimmel defense. I'm clumsy. Yeah, that was weird. I wasn't paying close attention to that trial, but all of a sudden, uh, you know, people started texting me and going, hey, you're mentioned in this thing. And I was just, I was just glad I wasn't a defendant for once. You know, I was talking to... Um, Matt Hiltzig, oh, yeah. my crisis management guy. We were talking about like to settle or to go to trial, right? Like it was, I was just saying like, I don't have that in me to settle. Yes, that's right. I'm a natural born warlord. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's unfortunate <laughs> that that's how it works, but I'm with you. I can't let things go. I just can't. And sometimes I'll wait five years and strike. <laughs> yeah. It's weird because, like, my daughter is now interested in it. She's eight years old. And... <laughs> the most vengeful time, eight to 11. <laughs> and she loves it. You know, she's like, what are you going to do? <laughs> and I look over at my wife. She's like, you better. <laughs> I don't want this kid growing up like you. And uh, But I can't resist. Have you ever been sued for something you've said on the show? Mo, many, many, many times. I've been sued. <laughs> Irish people were mad when... Um, I made a joke about um, Irish people getting drunk and fighting on the Oscars. There, a couple of people filed complaints with the FCC. I just read an article. Meanwhile, I was like, I'm like 40% Irish, you know? It's like, they're like, he's racist. I think Liam Neeson even said I was racist. This was a guy I know. Like, I'm racist. I'm Irish. How can I be racist? I guess, I don't know. I guess you can. I mean, I've experienced it myself, so I don't even know why I'm surprised. I, yeah. I mean, I think, like, it goes with the territory if you... Even if you host a, a program that's supposed to be humor-based, you uh, run the risk of somehow Yeah, you just upsetting. have to not care. I think yes. that's what I've, I've learned, and it took me a really long time to learn it. And now I've just, I don't care. I don't want to know about it. It will go away in four days. Uh, unless I feel I've actually done something wrong, I don't want to hear anything about it. When people send those kinds of things, that just tells me you know, tells about me something them. about them. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Got it. That's the kind of thing like distant relatives. And usually it's, it's in some kind of, it's disguised as a defense of you. It's like, ah, yes. uh, kid, this jerk and I'm gonna, you know, whatever. And it's like, you know yeah. what? I wouldn't even have seen that had you not sent it to me. Thank so God thank you, you sent me that daily examiner article. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's like, 
you actually have to sign up for it to read the article that says something bad about you. And I'm like, I'm not registering for this. <laughs> yeah. But apparently you did, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I want to get to the Oscars because you are without question, hands down, the best host of the Academy Awards. Well, and- that is not true, but thank you for saying <laughs> No, you that. are. Do you ever worry about pissing off anybody in the audience or members of the Academy? Well, um, first of all, I would say that I think that what you're doing backstage is much harder than what I'm doing. It is a, it's a can't win situation. You don't know who's coming. You don't know when they're coming. You don't really know what's going on on stage because you're back there doing your own show. I think that's very, very difficult and, um, and impressive that you can do that. As for me, I think about it, you know, I prepare for a long time for the, for this show. Most of it is is thought through, it's prepared. I do like I was hanging from a harness before the show. Uh, I was in the ceiling and I had some jokes about Rihanna and her baby. Rihanna was supposed to be in the audience potentially with her baby and my wife came out. This must have been 4 minutes before the show started and she's like no Rihanna, no Rihanna. She's not, you know, whatever. And so I was like, okay, cut the thing and go from that to the whatever. And she had to run to the prompter and cut the Rihanna chunk that we had. And so there are always like last second emergency type situations because you cannot, that's one thing, you can't predict or rely on the people who you are hoping to be in the audience to be in the audience. And that sometimes is key to making the jokes because if they're not there, it doesn't necessarily work as well. So I had that to deal with. I, you know, there's a lot of moving parts. You don't know who's going to win. I mean, you really don't know who's going to win any of the categories. Occasionally at the beginning, when we started the Oscars, I tried to get a heads up. I'm like, you know, like 10 seconds beforehand, I'm like, who's going to win this one? So I know, you know, what I'm going to say or whatever. They're like, oh, well, we don't know. You know, we really don't know. They don't know until that envelope is open. So I, um, uh, everything is, is uh, a, it's a combination of very prepared and totally unprepared that you have to figure out. And as far as like the Academy goes, um, you know, they did decide amongst themselves quietly to ask me to host the show. So Already, I figure like, okay, they like what I do. And when you've done it before, they know what you're going to do. At least they have a general idea of what you're going to do. And quite frankly, I didn't run any of the jokes by them. The day before the show, (laughs) I did a rehearsal. I ran through the jokes. I'd done no rehearsals. I'd sent no jokes before that. And no one said anything other than ha ha ha. And I went on and did the monologue the next day. And the celebrities, the advantage that I do have, I think, is that because of my job, and I think you understand this, I've had like almost like a speed dating situation with most of the people sitting in the front. So I've had conversations with them, not necessarily personal conversations, but I have do have some relationship to them. Did you talk to Brendan Fraser after he won? Oh, it's such a thank, well, thank God you asked that question. <laughs> I was gonna ask you if you could figure out okay. what was happening. Tired of boring workout gear? Check out Viore. 
Viore's versatile and comfy products are designed to look great in and outside of the gym. Whether you're running, training, or even just weekend lounging, the women's performance jogger is the softest jogger you'll ever own. Grab one of the new colors before they sell out. Jan and my assistant Lauren turned me on to these pants. They're cute and comfy and I get compliments on them every time I step out of the house. They become my go-to pants to put on when I'm working out, doing errands, or even just recording this here podcast. Albert, for you, there's the men's core short, the most comfy lined athletic short out there, and the men's Sunday performance jogger because I know you like to jog. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they're offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash off camera. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash off camera. Did you talk to Brendan Fraser after he won? Brendan just sort of stood in the hallway and what, what would you say? By, he floated, floated by. by. He slowed down and gave us a drive-by. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. And then started sobbing and just kept yeah. going. It was so To the bizarre. point where we went, we're so sorry. And I was like, why <laughs> did we just apologize? He just won an Academy Award. It, what, what, what did you make? Could you make sense of what was I happening? I saw him moments before that. Okay. I saw him. He was alone <laughs> backstage, I think headed towards you. Okay. Moments after he won the Academy Award. No one was with him. A stage manager was leading him backstage. And I've never seen anyone in, more in shock. I really think he was in, he was in complete shock. And I said, and I'm going to try to remember exactly. And you captured his tone perfectly. <laughs> he looked, his, he was all teared up. And I said, Hey, congratulations. And he was, goes, what happened? <laughs> and I thought he was kidding, you know? And I said, uh, what? He goes, what happened? I go, well, you, you know, you just won the Oscar. And he goes, was it okay? And I go, well, what do you mean, was it okay? He goes, what did I say? I said, oh, you gave a really, you gave a very nice speech. He's like, it was okay? I said, yeah, it was great. It was good. He goes, thank you, Jimmy. <laughs> and he wandered off to you. <laughs> and I thought, that's oh, where, man. That's where we picked it up. <laughs> this is a guy who really didn't think he was going to win. I mean. Right. Uh, he uh, he was, it seemed like somebody hit him hard on the head with a pan. <laughs> From our vantage point backstage, we have this one television monitor <laughs> that it, Michael Gelman is standing in front of. And then there's like four <laughs> other Academy members there to make sure that we don't turn the volume up because I guess it could create feedback because we're like, we're off stage, right but we're close stage. enough to the stage. So the Academy members and Gelman are basically sucking all of the sound into their ears. We can't hear what's being said and we can no longer see who's won because there are four heads in front of our computer sized <laughs> television monitor. That's called, that's not producing, that's reducing. Is reducing. Right. reducing. We are being reduced. And then, so Jan said the speech made no sense. Jan, there was a nautical theme. I don't know if you remember, but there was a nautical theme to the speech. Was there? 
<laughs> because we don't see or hear anything. It's a surprise to us when the winner comes around the corner. The position you're in is like you're it's like you're working in an emergency room. You've got a <laughs> bunch of shell-shocked people coming in with head trauma and then you have to stick a microphone in their face and get something out of them. It's 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 like a psychiatric car crash. There's like yeah. a lot of different components going around. I think a lot of them are also starving. We scored a lot of points for putting pretzels under the seats this year. Yeah. Because people come, you know, and they just they want to fit into whatever they're fitting into you know i had a tuxedo from i think it was from when i hosted the emmys in 2020 and so we were supposed to shoot some promos a couple of months before the oscars and you know that we made the plan we wrote the promos we we're gonna i'm gonna wear the tuxedo nobody really thought i wonder if jimmy still fits in this tuxedo and turned out that jimmy did not fit in the tuxedo oh, no. <laughs> and i look like um I look like a balloon animal, you know, it was like a bunch of like just kind of bulges all tied together. And my wife is on the set and she just goes, OK, um, we're going to reschedule uh, the shoot. And I'm like, well, what's going on? She's like, you don't fit in this tuxedo. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and I don't want I'd rather that wasn't um, enshrined in Oscar history. And that's why I believe in Manjaro. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Let me ask you this before I go back to last year's Oscars, the the year that you did not host. And I texted you and I was like, aren't you glad you didn't host? And you actually said that you were sorry you weren't was, hosting. Well, yeah, I would have loved to have been up there when that, when that happened. I mean, like, I like what would your take have been? Um. I don't know in those situations, like when they opened the yeah. wrong envelope and read the wrong winner, I'm super focused, like to the point where it's almost in slow motion. And I love it. I, there's something about it. I don't love being on television. I, given the choice of you know, doing like a radio show and having the same you know, salary, et cetera, that's what I would pick. I, I like to be somewhat behind the scenes, not entirely behind the scenes, but I'm more comfortable as a writer or whatever. I don't have, I don't like need to go do stand up on the weekends or any of that stuff. But, uh, and this is the big caveat, there are moments like that where I have a sudden and intense urge to be in the middle of it. Yeah. That is, that makes me sad if I can't be in the middle of it. And what I've learned from doing a lot of talk show, I mean, a lot of award shows is that you have to be able, you have to be nimble. You have to be able to get on stage if something happens. And some of these shows are so planned. There, you know, everything is planned out to the second that they don't like. They, I think they made the hosts wait eighteen minutes or something after Will Smith after that happened before they were even on stage. So they didn't even have the chance to react. And in a way, those situations are like it's like being an athlete. And getting to have an at-bat in the ninth inning of the World Series. Yeah. You know, it's like no situations I really, I love them. Uh, you know, I I am a, most alive in those situations. Gelman would have sent me out there and said, break that up. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be like, Blocking you get in the there monitor. and break that up. <laughs> and I'd be like, but I'm a girl, what? You're a mom, but you're also a mom. Now get out there and separate them and make them apologize. You're also a mom. You probably could have broken that up. I would have handled it in real time, but I'm glad I wasn't there. 
And thank God Chris Rock handled it as well as he did because yeah. that could have gone 30 different ways. He didn't um, tear up. He didn't, um, you know, he didn't try to like go after him and make it worse. He didn't uh, scream or do any of the crazy things that a lot of people might have done. And then, like, for, it to, for him not to resolve it when he gave his speech. Um, after he won was a very, very big mistake, I think. It was quite clearly the wrong thing to do. But I've also seen this guy, Will Smith, genuinely be one of the nicest people. And I, you know, I know everybody's nice to me. But I'll tell you something. My staff, you know, they, they tell me what's going on. And you see it with the way he handles the audience off camera. I mean, I met him when I wasn't even, you know, when I was do hosting a game show, I met him at a Lakers game and he couldn't have been nicer and more like complimentary. And, uh, you know, nobody watched that show. I mean, I get recognized once a month. And, <laughs> and so I remember that kind of stuff for sure. And he's, that was definitely the wrong thing to do. I also think it would be a real shame if someone's whole life is judged by one terrible moment. And I Agreed. really wish those guys would make up. Yeah, I it's, really it's wish funny. It. I remember when we were texting and you said it's the two nicest men in show business. I mean, Chris and Will are the nicest people I've ever met. Really. I mean, really, truly, like, kind to everyone. I, I talked to Chris like... I think a, it was less than a week after it happened. We talked for a long time. And um, and I think it, ultimately it worked out. I, I think he made, the, I wouldn't say it worked out well for him, but I think he made the very, very best of the situation, which where he handled it mm -hmm. um, artistically. He uh, made an event out of it. He got to say what he wanted to say. and um, And now hopefully, I hope, because I, I mean, I always root for people to make up. Uh, you know, I will always accept an apology if I feel it's sincere. Always. It doesn't matter what it is. I, if I feel it is sincere, I will always accept it. But um, uh, I do hope that they at some point put it behind them because I think it would be a, I don't know, I think it's just like a good thing for, I know maybe this sounds stupid, but like for the country, it would be a good thing for America. Yeah, for America. <laughs> Speaking of America, um, I've read this article that the uh, Trump administration was trying to get Disney to stop you from from telling jokes about him on your show. Is that true? I've read this article that the uh, Trump administration was trying to get Disney to stop you from telling jokes about him on your show. Can you confirm that? I mean, I did not, ABC never asked me to stop telling jokes about him on the show. I did have once have a conversation with someone from ABC who was kind of hinting, but I said, no, I'm not going to do that. And that was it. That was the last I heard of it. But I have to believe that it's true. I mean, it seems to be very well sourced. And I'm also grateful that, um, that it never got to me because I think that falls in the category of, I don't need to know about everything. And right. I know that ABC at around that time was trying to buy Fox and they were tiptoeing around at that time, which you certainly shouldn't have to do. 
um, with a president, I mean, it's, you know, it's business. Have, it's ridiculous. He should have bigger things to worry about. Yeah, than his opinions. Any president should have bigger things to worry about. Right, but then when reality hits and you go, okay, this guy's grudges seem to result in action and people are, and you can't blame them, really. And I'm talking, when I say people, I'm mostly Republican politicians. They are fearful. They are terrified of him. That's yeah. He rules through fear because they know he's a loose cannon and they know that he will go to every length. I mean, you know, this guy, he sees Ron DeSantis, who probably agrees with him on everything, suddenly getting popularity, and he tries to float the idea that he's a pedophile out. I mean, it's it's ridiculous, you know? And it's, it's so dirty and so not befitting uh, a president of the United States that uh, it's shocking, but it also is what it is. And... This idea that he's crazy does work in his favor, you know? But you can't help but feel if he'd been hugged uh, 14 times by his parents that uh, we'd be in a lot of be a lot better shape as yeah. a country. And I'm, I'm also glad that no one ever pressured me in any real way to stop talking about him because that would have been uh, very, very, very disappointing. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with you. Um, so I want to talk about your... The way you use your talk show is admirable. You know, I, I watch you every night. I find you funny. But you also use your platform for such good without um, making your audience feel preached to or anything. You really do, like, use it for good. And, and you know, I just uh, – there was so much about Billy, your son Billy. I know you have four children. Um, mm -hmm. I can't believe your older kids are what 31 and 29. Yeah. Katie 31 year old daughter Katie and Kevin's 29 Kevin and then we have 29. Jane who is 8 and Billy who's 6 now. Wow. So I can't believe he's 6. Wow. But I remember when he was born and it was so scary. I had never heard of TOF. Never heard of that before. Yeah. Me neither. What is that? It's Tetralogy of Fallot. It is a basically a heart defect. He actually had more than one heart defect. He still does, but you know, um, it is it's it's repairable. A lot of people find out that their child has this before the child is born, which is a huge head start. That's why ultrasounds are so important. We actually had special ultrasound done because the doctor thought there might be something weird and they did like a, like a more intense ultrasound and they didn't see anything, which was unfortunate because once the baby comes out, there's a valve that closes um, within an hour. And um, once it closes, you have to go do a surgery to reopen it. Um, and if you can get there um, right away, yeah. you can fix that stuff. You, you get a big head start on, on fixing it. But um, we didn't know anything about any of this stuff. And... Still don't know a ton about it, to be honest. I mean, I try, you know, I study it. I try, you know, I think you reach a certain age where you're like, God, I can't learn anything else. Medically, uh, medically stupid. But, um, they, you know, they operated on him right away, and they did another operation six months later. And when they operated him right away, and I was in the hospital, it just so happened that Congress was voting on the Affordable Care Act, and... Children's Hospital in Los Angeles, you don't have to have money to have your children treated there. So um, it's one thing to have a health situation of your own. 
it's another thing entirely to have your child be in that position and to see that so many families around the country who don't live near this hospital and who don't have good jobs, good health insurance, you know, just taking the day off to bring your child to the hospital is devastating financially. The idea that anybody would be against that when it works so well in so many other countries, you know, we're so, we think we're so special here. We're the only, it's America and the way we do everything is the right way. And the smart way would be to look at other scenarios and go, okay, what works for them? To really treat the country like a business where, you know, when Coke comes out with Coke Zero and it sells well, Pepsi goes, now we have a Pepsi Zero, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's just how it, it works. It's smart. And we don't do that. What happens if your kid gets hit by a car? You know, you need to go to the hospital. You need to be able to pay for that. Right. Some of these issues shouldn't even be issues. We need to set them aside. Most Americans agree on that. But we become confused because it becomes like, oh, which color am I rooting for? And I just saw it as an opportunity. And so when this is happening, I try to go like, okay, what good can come out of this? And that was the good that came out of it, as I was able to go on TV at what was coincidentally a very crucial time in our country's history. And a couple of people, especially John McCain, Mm-hmm. did the right thing in that moment. And they didn't do the party thing. They did the right thing. And if you, God forbid, are not a person who's good at doing paperwork and good at navigating this kind of stuff, you're screwed. And these health insurance companies, they're counting on you not being able to navigate and advocate for yourself. They're counting on that. And, you know, We just took a step in the right direction. We need to keep going because it's important to, to people and their families and their lives. You know. Yeah. I agree with you. Um, how, how's Billy doing before we wrap? Because I know he's doing great. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, I have four kids and they're all super funny kids. He's the weirdest one. Actually, my dad <laughs> goes, he goes, this one's the weirdest one. <laughs> he's, he's not somehow- though because, you know, sometimes you send me videos and it's always like, oh my gosh, he's doing this weird thing. And I'm like, that's just boys. Boys do that. That's like, well, I have another boy, and he's pretty you, weird. But you this just one, forgot. You forgot. This no. This one is. Uh, I'm telling you, Kelly. This is a weird kid, and and I don't mean that in a bad way at all. But I mean, everything's a joke. He will not complete the ABCs without fucking around after R. Like <laughs> you think we've only we've almost got to Z. No, no. He will lead you, and he loves it, and he loves scaring us and tricking us and you know he's just a he's just an old-fashioned scamp is what sounds, he is he sounds like a chip off the old block actually he is he's like me now i was not like that when i was a kid i was a very well-behaved um you know like the kid that uh, the teachers all loved and his teachers all do love him but when he comes home he's crazy and he does really <laughs> funny weird things as long I mean, as he like, saves it for home that's what i always said save it for home He'll get naked. We don't even know it. He'll take off his pajamas. And you don't know he has no clothes on. And you come in in the morning. Morning, Billy. And then he just throws off the sheet. And he's just laying there naked. And he's just delighted with himself. (laughs) (laughs) 
I had one kid, I won't name names, but I had a kid that used to say, you know, when he would get his little uh, toddler erection. Yeah. <laughs> he would say, Mom, look, it's hanging fat up. <laughs> You know, and I can't, I can't react to that. But I was like, "Great, by the way, that's a great. That should be on T-shirts. That should be on bumper stickers." Don't let Billy listen to this. Yeah, don't tell Billy. (laughs) Jimmy, we love you so much here. I love you too. This, I was really looking forward to our discussion. If you're not watching Jimmy Kimmel Live weeknights at 11:35 p.m. on ABC, (laughs) you are missing all the fun. Seriously, it's an, it's my favorite show. I love it so well, much. Well, you are the best. I thank you so much. This was fun. I'll, I'm happy to do it anytime. If somebody hey. drops out, let me know. <laughs> Thanks for talking to us. We Thanks, love you. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks, right. guys. Kiss Take the care. fam. I will. Bye, you Jimmy. Too. Take care. Bye, Bye. Jimmy. Bye. Bye, Jimmy. Good one. So that was a good one. He's the best. I love that man. You're the same person. Uh, we are the same person. We've said this before. We realize that we are definitely... Somehow we are related. We just haven't connected the dots yet because we are the same person. Um, I forgot to plug our game show. Yeah, you guys are Generation doing Gap on Thursday night starting June 29th. Yeah, you're doing a game show with him. Mm-hmm. Love the Kimmels. Love the Kimmels. Both of you Kimmels. desperate to get off camera. Desperate to get off camera. That's why we're doing this podcast. <laughs> yep. So listen, listeners. Listen up, listeners. <laughs> Don't forget to follow us. And if you like us, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And if you don't like us, still give us a five-star review. (laughs) Thank you so much. That was our public service announcement. Let's Talk Off Camera is available every week on all major podcast listening platforms. Can't wait to talk off camera with y'all next week. Bye. Let's Talk Off Camera with Kelly Ripa is a co-production of Melojo Productions and PRX Productions with help from Goat Rodeo. Our theme song is Follow Me from APM Music. From Melojo, our team is Kelly Ripa, Mark Consuelos, Albert Bianchini, Jan Chalet, Devin Schneider, Michael Halpern, Jacob Small, Roz Therian, Seth Gronquist, and Nick Ribola. From PRX Productions, our team is... Kara Schillen, Genevieve Sponsler, Megan Nadolski, Edwin Ochoa, Rebecca Seidel. Additional sound design by Terrence Bernardo. The executive producer of PRX Productions is Jocelyn Gonzalez. This show is powered by Stitcher. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And they make the process easy. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even quicker. 
And if you need another reason to use LinkedIn, here's a great one. We scored our very own RAWs from using LinkedIn. And let me tell you firsthand, you would not be hearing this podcast without the genius talents of RAWs. Yes, she's a LinkedIn hire and I couldn't be happier. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash off camera. That's linkedin.com slash off camera to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.